North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Good evening, you guys. It's Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, and welcome to our late night session. It is 9 p.m. tonight at, uh, it's on, what is it, Tuesday? I forget, forget even what day it is. And we are accommodating our special guest on the show with a, a late night session, and it will be definitely worth it. Very excited for the show tonight. We're talking all about body image, how to love your body. We're talking about confidence and mindset, things that we've been talking a little bit more about on the show, and it's something I really love to talk about. I think that you know, this show is really geared towards natural medicine and, and nutrition, but also in the area of, of medicine and health, mindset and you know, psychology is huge. That's originally what brought me into the field of naturopathic medicine is studying psychology and health psychology. So whenever I can bring this topic you know, to the show, I love it. I just think that it brings so much, and we all deal with this. So um, we're going to dive into the show in just a second. I'll inter- um, in, uh, I'm going to announce my guest in just a second. I'm like so low blood sugar, you guys. I'm so sorry, but we're going to make it work. And it's live radio, so you never know what's going to happen. So before I uh, introduce my guest, I'm going to just give you guys a few quick little announcements. One is about the Shine Retreat coming up. So coming up in March, we're going to be going down to Nicaragua and doing a, a, a special small group session down there to Nicaragua. The, the uh, details of that coming soon. If you'd like to stay in the loop about those details and you can sign up for that as soon as we release that, go over to shinenaturalmedicine.com and you want to sign up for our email updates. And we will keep you in the loop of as soon as that is going to be released, we will let you guys know, okay? Really excited for that. We're going to be doing yoga. Uh, We're going to have natural medicine lectures. We're going to have um, just really healthy, yummy foods, massage. I mean, just it's all about pampering. You're going to come back feeling so refreshed and recharged. That's what it's all about. So mark your calendars for that. And I will let you guys know as soon as those details come out. If you guys have not listened to the, the other shows that I've done, you can go over to drlowradio.com and see all the previous shows. You can also subscribe on iTunes. And I think there's almost 150 shows coming up, or 150 shows recorded. So all of those are ready for you guys to listen to. If you've listened to the show and you like what you've been hearing, please go over to the iTunes library and leave me a review. I would love to see your review. I read all of them. They warm my heart. They could totally make my day. So I'd love to see your guys' reviews as well. And you can learn more about me at shinenaturalmedicine.com, also drlornoel.com. And I have a free gift over there. You guys can download it right away. It's all about how to have more energy throughout the day, what I basically do throughout my day to have as most ener- the most energy I can have. And, and that's all about how I set up my day, what I do throughout the day, and my fun little uh, responsibility chart that I use that's like I'm an elementary school kid again, but it works for me. So it's all about setting up good habits that set up your day to where you actually feel energy all day long. You don't feel like you're dragging. That's what it's all about. So on to tonight's show. We are talking with the amazing Kyle Maynard. Now, if you guys have been with me for a while, yes, he's been on the show before, and he's a repeat guest on the show. And no, that show is not available in the archives for uh, a particular reason we might share tonight. We might not. Um, But he is back on the show and uh, really excited about it. He is amazing. Kyle Maynard is a motivational speaker, author, entrepreneur, and athlete. Despite being born without arms and legs, actually, his arms end at the elbows, his legs end near the knees, Kyle has wrestled for for one of the best teams in the Southeast. He set records in weightlifting, fought in mixed martial arts, and most recently became the first man to literally crawl on his own to the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa. Yeah. His story has been featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show, Larry King Live, ESPN Sports Center, HBO's Real Sports, ABC's 2020, and Good Morning America, and as a cover story in USA Today. He continues to inspire as the author of his book, No Excuses. He's a New York Times bestseller, and he's a really, really cool guy, and he has an awesome jawline. (laughs) Kyle, welcome to the show. (laughs) Dr. Lowe, thank you very much for having me. Welcome back. 
I, I believe that <clears throat> you got to make good on your promise to me last night as to telling your audience as to why the show's not on the air. Oh my god. Well, maybe maybe we'll we'll say it at some point. <laughs> I think we will. Oh, really? It's going to be it's going to be like that. Well, I mean, yeah. We'll see what happens. We get real on this show. You know, it's live radio. You never know what's going to happen. That's the cool thing about it. That's, That's the true. part that scares me to death, and I don't know how for 5 years I'm still doing live radio, but you know, you make it work. That's By the way, for you guys listening, I didn't say that if you guys want to call and ask a question, you're welcome to do that. The call-in number is 818 818- Four nine five six nine one nine eight one eight four nine five six nine one nine. I know most of our listeners listen to the recorded show, but if you are listening live, you are welcome to call in and ask a question, or just tell us how good looking we are, and we're happy to hear that too. So, <laughs> um, also the reason why we're having a late show is because we're accommodating Kyle's jujitsu schedule. Yeah, he chose to do jujitsu over doing the normal scheduled show. So, you must really love that. Why jujitsu? Well, I feel like we're getting away with something, though, you know? It's like late-night show, and kind of like when you stay at past your bedtime, and <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're... This is true. I, like I am in my pajamas right now. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, I really am. Are you still in your jujitsu clothes? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting sweat all over my house and mercy. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I shared a little bit about your about your bio in the intro, but... Um, yeah, I mean, when so I really wanted to talk about this topic of self-love, body image, and it's something that, you know, I tend to think of it more as something that women struggle with because I tend to see a little bit more women in my practice and that's something I hear about all the time, but it's something men obviously struggle with as well, especially in our culture. This is a huge issue. We're just, you know, bombarded with these images of how our bodies should look and we just continually see all these different images and it's it's really really tough and especially living in southern california you know it's just especially big here in la it's big there and but regardless you can live in the midwest and the south whatever and you're, you're seeing all these images so you know i think it's it's especially now it's it's more important than ever to continually talk about this topic and about the concept of self-love the concept of um you know having that positive psychology that mindset to you know see things from a different perspective and also to filter what is coming in you know we can take this in a lot of different directions but i wanted to talk with you about this because in my experience of knowing you, um, I've been blown away by the level of confidence that you have, um, despite your, you know, quote unquote disability. And it's almost to the point where, I mean, I've been around you a a ton over the last few years, a couple, two, three years. And I would, I would forget, I wouldn't even notice that there was anything different about you than anyone else. And it's because of this level of confidence and this charisma that you have. And so I couldn't think of someone better to talk about this topic with because you just inspire me so much in this way. So like wow. rewinding time, <laughs> rewinding time to back in the beginning of, um, you know, when you were being raised, obviously things were set up in a particular way with your upbringing. Your parents had a very different way of bringing you up. How did this all start to happen for you? How is it that you developed this level of confidence despite looking so obviously physically different than someone who just walks around on their on their legs? Well, I think to start, I'd, I'd start by giving people just an idea of, of what, you know, I, I mean, I, I know this is a radio show, so just to give people a little bit more idea of what my day-to-day looks like, um, uh, you, know, you know, now, I, and, and just even physically, like I, um, when I walk, I walk just like a dog or a bear, bear crawl, you know, down on all fours, just like a baby learns to crawl, and um, that's how I've always done it. And um, my arms end, I know you said this in the intro, but just to give people more visual, my arms end right at the elbows and legs and right at the knees. I have feet um, and uh, no hands, but all limbs are pretty symmetrically affected. Um, but, you know, it's. I think the statistics are one in 5,000 kids or so have some form of amputation. And, um, you know, to have four limbs affected, it's, probably on the order of maybe in the one in a couple million, um, maybe even more than that. But, you know, it was, 
I feel like I won the the lottery in terms of uh, my family, you know, and, and, and just the, the way that they raised me was to not focus on, on the disability. They made everything as normal as possible. And, and now if, you know, you were to, you know, your listeners were to come and hang out with me for a day and, you know, and, and get to know me on the level that, that you do, then you would see that I don't really have that many adaptations for things. I mean, I'm looking around my apartment right now and really the only adaptation that I have in the entire apartment is I have a, a, a stool in my um, kitchen that I bring into the bathroom to <laughs> shave or brush my teeth. So that's about it. Uh, everything else is pretty normal. I use a wheelchair to get around longer distances just to stay, you know, clean and all of that. But um, when I'm doing things like climbing a mountain and stuff like that, like I, I do it down on all fours. So that that's to give people a little bit more of the, the visual aspect of it. But yeah, I think that really the, you know, the, the, the mindset piece, so to speak was huge that my family gave me growing up because if they had made a big deal about the disability, if they had focused on that, if they'd continually talked about that, you know, obsessed about that, or, you know, it, it would have become a much bigger deal. And the funny thing is I didn't even really know what the name of my disability was until I was maybe 18. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. You know, I think that a lot of times, and people listen to this certainly, like, you know, I mean, maybe you're battling some type of autoimmune condition or something like that, you know, maybe an internal disability that you wouldn't be able to see on the outside. However, even in that instance, I think the more that we obsess about those things and think about those things, then the more it becomes a bigger part of our lives. It's unavoidable. And I, that's why I say my family, I think that they, my mom in particular, the ultimate Jedi mind trick with me where she just was like, you're not disabled, you know, and uh, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not disabled. <laughs> and that <laughs> was just, it just, you know, it's, I mean, it's more complicated than that for sure. But I mean, in, in, in essence, like that's what their attitude was. Yeah. I love in one of the videos of your, your ESPN interview and she said he may look disabled, but he's not. And that's exactly the experience I had being around you. And and it's like, I think that, you know, there's a the concept of mirror neurons, you know, it's like what you're thinking, the other person then starts to think. If you continually have this attitude everywhere you go, I'm disabled, I'm, you know, so different from everyone else, all this stuff, then that starts to show up in the person talking to you, observing you, they pick that, they pick that energy up. And the same thing could be said, like you said, for someone who has an internal, you know, imbalance or disease like something like an autoimmune disease right they can bring that around with them I'm sick everywhere I go I'm sick I'm sick I'm sick and it's like that's the energy that they're putting out and I think those are really powerful beliefs that we tell ourselves you know those messages we tell ourselves and I know like your your grandma Betty she would say um, you know she would take you you said she would take you around like in the grocery store right push you around and have you shake the hands of strangers right am I saying that right yeah yeah no that's um she was awesome with that. And, you know, we used to, she used to watch me, my grandma, my mom's mom, she would watch me when I was young and um, we would go around in grocery stores. We'd go around just shopping wherever she was shopping. And a couple of times a week, I'd go to lunch with her and her friends, you know, me and lunch with the ladies. Ladies, and, man. Right? <laughs> the, uh, it, it was, all, it was just, you know, everywhere that we'd go though, we'd just talk to people and meet people and, um, and her, you know, attitude was, or the thing that she would always tell me was, she said, as soon as people hear your voice, they see your face, and they shake your hand, they'll forget about the disability. Yeah. And, you know, that became one of my core beliefs, I think, throughout my life. And I think still to this day, absolutely on a daily basis, that, that impacts me, because if I'm not thinking about it, then other people aren't. I mean, just like you mentioned with mirror neurons, I've got a nephew now who's um, not quite six months yet, but close. And he's awesome. I was just with him over Thanksgiving. But, um, you know, we haven't spent a whole lot of time together. And he's five and a half months right now. So when he does see me maybe every couple of months, you know, I've only seen him twice really in his life. And then, um, you know, for anybody, it's just kind of like a new thing you know especially them growing a beard like who's this crazy bearded guy what's he gonna do you know what's my mom think about him but I totally was watching him as he was you know watching my sister and like 
you know, he would be like laughing and it was almost like a nervous laugh. And then like I'd laugh with them and play peekaboo and, and then gradually, you know, two hours later, then he's like totally comfortable. And that's not to say it's anything with a disability, but just even, you know, just another stranger guy in general. And I think as a kid, a little baby, you know, we, we have these mirror neurons that are, that are firing. And we always say something like, 85% of, of language of communication is nonverbal. You know, it's not spoken. It's mm-hmm. being communicated on a less than conscious level, meaning that, you know, really it's not just the words that we're saying. It's the truly like the beliefs that we hold about ourselves that are communicating significantly more than, than anything else. And yeah. if a five month old and the neurological level of a five year old can pick up on those signals, then you better believe that, just about everybody else you interact with on a daily basis is going to go and pick up on those signals too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So aside from having uh, meals with your grandma and all her friends and becoming a ladies' man in that way, how did you get to have, you know, confidence? Because if you think about it, someone else observing this kind of, you know, interaction of you being with a woman may think, well, how, how could he get women? How could he possibly pick up women, you know? Like how could he – what what would he say? Like how how would he be able to get her over the you know the difference physically and all this stuff? But you have no problems in that department. So so how did you learn that with the confidence to be able to do that? And you know where did that come from? I think that for a lot of people behind a lot of things that they're successful at, there's actually a significant amount of failure and pain. Mm. Um, and you know and. and that's not to say that like I was like tortured by by women by any means growing up, but like I kind of tortured myself with it. Like in high school, I just, you know, I, I middle school, high school, I, I had crushes on girls and, you know, and I had a lot of friends that were girls, but I was, I was never, you know, until I was graduating high school, never really in like a romantic relationship with any girl. And I think it had so much to do with more of how I saw myself than anything. And, you know, and I think the thing that started to shift that and change that was, was really, you know, wanting to discover and go in, you know, deeper and, and explore myself, you know, due to, you know, when you have something happen, you know, you have some, any type of condition or whatever it is for, like I said, like a lot of people listening that maybe they've, they've battled some type of, you know, um, health challenge, maybe they've battled some type of depression or something like that, you know, I don't know what it is for them, but I, I know for certain that there's likely been something in their life that they've, you know, they've had to go and face. And I think that, you know, there's really only two roads with that. You know, on one path, we kind of become a victim to it. And the other path, you know, it's almost like something inside of you, whether it's, you know, maybe starts with some form of indignation, you know, where you just are not going to be controlled by the circumstance, but you, you, you get out of it. And that's where I just began to go and study it. And when I studied myself, and learn more about myself through psychology and um, philosophy and theology and spirituality and meditation and a number of different things. And it really made a significant difference, I think, in my confidence to to be with other people because I started realizing then we aren't so separate, you know, that really at that point, everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got stuff that they're afraid other people are going to find out about them. They got stuff that they're, you know, that they want to go and hide. I, you know, yeah. it's it just, we aren't, we aren't alone in that. And I think sometimes we think that we are. Mm. We're all in it together. We're all the same in, in that respect. And where do, where does being physically active and sports, and I know you've been really involved with weightlifting and wrestling and football and jujitsu and um, mixed martial arts. I mean, and then climbing, you know, mountains, it's like, it's crazy what you're capable of. And I know you've inspired, you know, thousands of people to push for physical and um, fitness goals just from your story. Where does, where does that come into playing into your confidence? Well, I think that the, um, the physical world with that is for one, I mean, it's really like the, the easiest way to access that sort of baseline self-awareness that I was talking about. You know, it mm-hmm. really is like when you go out and you test yourself, you know, you have all that self-talk that's telling you to quit, telling you to stop, telling you not to go forward and, you know, don't do another rep, don't go and run another mile, like whatever it is, you know, you're, you're talking yourself with that. And I think that, that sports 
in general and in just any type of physical activity, it, it teaches you to be able to have a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more control over that inner dialogue. And that can be huge. Um, that being said, my journey in sports did not start out so so great. Like I, <laughs> I played football and I was a wrestler, but I lost every single match for a year and a half and, um, you know, in wrestling and, and hated it. And it really, I think at that point, had a huge negative impact on my, my confidence. But if I hadn't broken through and won a match, I would have definitely definitely quit at the end of the year, I think. I, I don't think I would have come back and done it again. But um, mm. you never know. I mean, it's just, I think that, um, you know, having having a level of success with something that we're seeking is really is important, too, and being able to focus on that. Um, it's something I was thinking about today when we were talking about you know, this topic earlier. Um, you know, I think that when we talk about self-confidence, self-love, things like that, you know, in general, we have this, like, tendency to think that, that it's, like, a black or white thing. You know, either mm. we are confident or we aren't. Either we are loving ourselves or we aren't. And I think that that's a total lie. I think that it really is, you know, you have 10,000 thoughts in a day. And mm. really, if you want to lead a happier life, if 5,001 of those thoughts are, you know, going to be, like, lifting you up, they're going to be encouraging you, they're going to be thoughts to, to keep you going and keep you moving forward, it's going to be a better life. But that still doesn't mean that you aren't going to have those 4,999 other thoughts that mm. sometimes we don't feel that way. But I yeah. think gradually becoming more aware and moving in that path, like to go and focus more on those things like that can make a huge difference. It's really, I mean, that that's rooted in science. It's not, you know, it's not about not having those, those negative moments of those, those moments of failure, those moments of breakdown, you know, it's what do you do with it? I love that because that takes out the element of perfectionism and, and, and also recognizing that, that voice isn't going to go away. The voice that says, oh, you're not bl- you know, blank or you're not this enough, you're not that enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough. You're, I mean, that voice, that's program stuff that's from long, long ago. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to show up. So like having the goal of making that go away or quieting that down really is probably not the best goal to have. It's knowing and recognizing that that voice is just a voice and that it's not actually you. You know, and recognizing that having, that having that awareness gives you the option to then make a choice, make a decision. If you're going to, you know, act on that or go, you know, operate or behave in line with that, or if you're going to choose something else. And also, too, I really think that, you know, just because your emotions or your belief may think one thing doesn't mean your actions have to do the same thing, you know, in line with that. You can choose to do something else. And sometimes, like, having a different action then starts to change the thoughts you have. You know, you may feel like a total piece of crap, but getting up in the morning and just making your bed, starting with the tiny little something, you know, that right there can have you go, okay, you feel a little more confident, you know, and then, the, and then you do something else and you do something else. So you don't have to start with perfectionism. You don't have to start with doing everything right every day. Just start with one thing, get that under your belt, and then that leads to the next, you know, the next action. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, first of all, doing, trying to take on everything at once is, I mean, you know that. I mean, we <laughs> both know that, right? Like, that's, we're, we're both victims, you know, to that. Like, that's a total recipe. I don't know what you that. mean. I have no idea yeah. what you mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you've never done that before. No. Um, that's not me. But it, it, I, I love what you said there. And that being said, I'm going to disagree with, with one thing. You said, <laughs> You said that that voice is is not us and, you know, that voice inside of our head. And I get where you're coming from with that. I I do. I understand your your intention in saying that. And I will say I disagree. I think that it is us. And appreciating it, honoring it is, is a really important thing. It's not about suppressing that voice. Your brain is a survival tool that's hardwired to have its one function to have you survive to have you continue to go and thrive. And, you know, part of that is, you know, for instance, uh, if you have a thought like, oh, I'm, you know, too tired to go work out or something like that, one of the brain's jobs is energy conservation. 
you know, it's telling you don't go do something stupid like burn a bunch of energy that you can't get because, you know, we're wired to be hunter-gatherers. And, you know, in a hunter-gatherer world, it's hard to come across energy sometimes. And so the brain's going to go and conserve it. Similarly, if the brain tells you, hey, don't go talk to that guy and say he's cute or don't go talk to that girl and get her number or something like that, you know, that you have a crush on. Well, because you don't want to get rejected. And from a hunter-gatherer perspective, that makes perfect sense. You know, if you got rejected, you'd be thrown out of the tribe and you'd be dead. (laughs) It's as simple as that. So the brain's job is single-handedly to go and help you survive. And that, I think, is an awesome perspective when we go and then have the attitude to go and say, like, okay, I, I, you know, I mean, it's almost like having a conversation with yourself to go and say, Mm -hmm. like, I acknowledge you. And a a mentor of mine by a guy uh, named Robert Diltz, who's one of the sort of founding members of neuro-linguistic programming, which I think is fascinating stuff that we've talked a bunch about. But he has sort of a mantra where he says, like, you know, I'll I'll butcher this, but I'll get the pain point across. He says, like, okay, um, you know, just like to be able to pause. And if you have a thought that doesn't feel that great, say, like, something obviously needs to be heard. Something needs to be held. Something needs to be acknowledged here. And what is the positive intention of that? What is my brain trying to get across to me? What's my heart, my gut, my mind saying to me to try to protect me from, from something here? And if we can get to the root of that, we can go and then say like, you know what, well, maybe there's a, maybe there is an alternative way. You know, what are some other ways in which we can accomplish that, you know, and achieve that without having that same, that same thing. I mean, I, I was literally broken on Kilimanjaro and, you know, and had all the negative self-talk in the world, begging, pleading, praying, you know, that I would just like somehow mysterious, like magically just get off that mountain. And, you know, and I remember in that moment of just being in the moment of surrender, lying in my tent, crying my butt off for an hour. And, you know, I really, the thing that kept me going was we had the most amazing honor of my life of getting to carry fallen veterans ashes to the summit. And that's what I had to fall back on. That's what I had to rely on and go and say, you know what, that matters to me more than, you know, getting Corey to the top, being there to go and honor him in this way, to be able to do this with my friends, to be able to experience this myself while I'm here. That matters more than this, you know, suffering that I'm going through. And, and it's at that point, um, you know, the pain didn't go away, but it, it really did change it significantly. It started to transcend and it, it's hard to explain, but I think that that can happen for just about anybody. It's just learning to have a little bit more dominion over, over those thoughts. Hmm. Yeah, a couple points came up from what you were saying. Number one is that being able to to recognize the difference in that voice, if it's something that's serving you from like like you said, like a primal instinct or you know um, sort of paleolithic kind of um, concept, where it's something like telling you to take care of yourself versus something that's from like a self worth thing. You know, like I'm not good enough, I'm ugly, like those kinds of things. And that's that's what I was kind of referring to is like these images or these things that we get programmed with. And being able to know that there's, there's, there's voices that serve us that are about keeping us healthy and, and helping us survive. And there's other ones that really break us down and have us, you know, believe things about ourselves that just aren't true. They're true if you believe it, you know. Oh, and totally. the other thing, that, yeah, the, the other thing that comes up from too. what you said, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, we're going to. I think we should arm wrestle. We're going to like verbal arm wrestling to see who goes first. <laughs> I want to do this on video and arm wrestle while we talk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing um, that you said I think was so powerful was about how, no, for real, listen, it's powerful (laughs) how you're talking about you're in the tent, you're crying, and what the shift was was you focused out, you know, You, you you had a shift in your purpose and your vision of why you were doing that climb. And you had a, a purpose outside of yourself. And I think that's really a powerful um, key point. It's a concept that I think is really huge because one of the best ways to get out of your own way, one of the best ways to um, get confidence, actually, is to stop focusing so much on yourself and focus on making a difference and doing things for other people. You know, it's a major, like, shift in perspective. And, um, you know, I mean, I think that that's, 
that's what I got out of, of what happened. Yeah. What do you well, think? I think you're totally right. And it's actually, I mean, that too, like I'm, I'm, I'm a big science dork and I want to go and learn what's the research say about this stuff, you mm-hmm. know? And also too, you know, like even if I'm looking at it from an anecdotal perspective, then I want to go and look and see, you know, where are the case studies of, of this really, you know, and people that are in the most extreme situations, you know, and, and, and how they actually get through it, you know, and, and consistently what you just said there is, is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad you said that because it's actually going to be, it's more important than what I was going to say. But Well, that's hung. usually the case. <laughs> oh. Oh, snap. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> if you look at one of my, um, one of my best friends here in San Diego is a uh, Navy SEAL. And um, the, yeah, through him and through some other incidences, I've gotten to hang out with a lot of, you know, special forces members of the military. And then SEAL training is really known as the, the most challenging, difficult training, and you know, and maybe potentially any in the world. And, um, you know, one thing I think that there's really only a couple of key takeaways that I've gotten from, you know, from, from the SEALs that have made it through, because it's le- probably less than, 15%, maybe 10% of the candidates that go through here that, that actually make it through. You know, 100% of them think that they're going to go and make it through the training and maybe 10% or fewer actually do. And I think the ones that do are able to, number one, they can chunk it down and they can go and focus on, you know, something small. They're really, you know, they'll go through a training period where they won't sleep for an entire week. I know that's probably giving you like freaking nightmares thinking about that but like you know and what it's doing to their adrenals and it's true I mean it can jack you up but at the same time like you really learn who you are if you're if you're being pushed and you're only sleeping for maybe you know two or three intervals of 30 minutes for six nights and you know and you're putting your body through this type of training and the ones who make it though their their focus is to say you know what I know they're going to have to feed me in the next four to five hours so all I got to do is make it to make it there. And it's not a fixed duration thing. They're thinking too in their mind, I just got to get to that point. Just got to get to that point. I get there, I arrive, and then I get to the next point. But I'm not thinking about that next point until I get to this one. And the second thing is the ones consistently that do look to other people and they're encouraging their peers. You know, they aren't focused on their own suffering. They're there cheering their friends up. They're there, you know, laughing in the moments where they can laugh. They're, you know, like leading in the moments where they need to lead. They, that makes a huge, huge difference. You know, being there for, for each other is really what it's all about. And now it's, I think it's for for people that are looking to go and perform at a high level for people that are also too, just looking to lead a good life it's as simple as that, you know, it's taking eyes off of yourself and putting it on somebody else and going and saying like, how can I go and make this person's life a little bit better than, you know, than it was 10 minutes ago. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's a huge shift in perspective when you go out and do something for other people, go work at a soup kitchen, go volunteer. It's like, you don't really care so much about how you look anymore at that point. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, that looking good and, and, you know, dressing well and all those things aren't important, but it's, it's not everything. You know, if you find yourself, it could be a quick fix to get out of that mindset. If you find yourself continually judging how you look and your body and not liking what you see, you know, go do something for, for someone else. Go work at an elderly, you know, facility or, or, you know, go work with some at-risk youth or, you know, kids with disabilities. I mean, it's like, it's, it's just therapeutic. So putting that aside, what about for, you know, for someone listening who really is dealing with body image issues, you know, and, and they feel like they really are what they can to, to kind of get out of that mindset, what, but they're still really stuck in it. Like they don't look like what they see when they look in the mirror. They don't have that confidence. They just can't seem to get past it. Um, what, what kind of advice do you have for them? What's something that you can offer for those, for those of us? Well, I think first of all, it's to, I don't understand that, Number one, you're not alone. Um, over the course of uh, of a lifetime, at least somewhere between one to four percent of all women will develop anorexia. One mm-hmm. to four percent of all women will develop um, bulimia. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the United States. And if you were to go and extend that to, um, you know, things like binge eating disorder and other conditions like that, that are just now kind of becoming a little bit more public, then, you know, the the number and range of of these disorders, so to speak, would, would say that probably on the order of 75% of women in the United States will have some type of, you know, eating disorder, body image disorder in their lifetime. Mm. And it's, you know, and it's, it's not just, uh, you know, a, a Western thing too. I mean, it's everywhere in the world in Mauritania. I think I may have butchered that pronunciation, but there's a country in West Africa where, um, it's a drought, um, you know, it's, it's a really, um, it's a country that's, that's battled drought and battled, uh, poverty and, you know, and, and, 20% of their women there actually are obese because many of their women, especially their, you know, upper class will, will go in and be force fed because it's a sign of, um, you know, of fertility and things like that. You know, it's just sort of a cultural sign to them that, um, that obese women are more attractive and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's just part of the human condition. Every single person on this planet, in you know, at different times, is going to, are going to go and have those issues. So I think just realizing that that's that's part of it is is, is key. Is give yourself a little bit of room, you know. Realize like this is just kind of part of this this journey that, that we're on. You know, as a human being, we got it, we've all got stuff that we want to go and change. And sometimes we can, sometimes we can't do anything about it. And I think learning to go in that difference is is key. Um, mm-hmm. I see it all the time with kids with disabilities, I think that, um, you know, you have sometimes kids respond extraordinarily well because their environment doesn't really make a a huge deal about it. And other times you have kids that struggle because their environment makes a much bigger deal about it. Mm. And, and I think that it's, it's just the same with us, you know, like I said, you know, if you if sixty percent of your thoughts are going to be empowering, you're in the top one percent. <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. and, and that I think is is really is, is the thing to strive for. It's not perfection. It's just you know, it's just that small little bite size. You know, being a little bit a little bit better than we were before, and and that is kind of what my family did without even really me knowing what they did. They didn't know the research they didn't know you know the quantifiable data that's coming out to go and prove that this is this is valid they just did it instinctually and i think that that had you know, obviously a tremendous effect and if they hadn't had that i'm not naive enough to think that my life would have turned out way different Hmm. yeah yeah and 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 also too the kind of the way that a mother not only talks to her kids but also talks to herself what she says about her own body is really picked up on by the children. You know, it's really, it's really huge. And I, I can say that for myself growing up that I never had an issue where my parents ever said, Hey, you need to lose weight or Hey, I mean, I was, I was heavier in high school and they never once said anything about it. I mean, there's one time my dad was like, you know, you might be able to jump a little higher playing volleyball. If you dropped a few pounds, <laughs> he was doing it more from the perspective of performance and in, in sports he could care less yeah. if I had lost weight or not, but it was mostly just because he wanted, you know, me to feel like I was playing better. Um, <laughs> but well, besides that, I was so lucky. I never dealt with that. However, I definitely heard my mom talk about her body a lot, and I definitely heard my dad talk about his body a lot. So I picked up on that, you know, and I, I've seen those little messages seep into my own thinking at times. So that's really key. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think... Um like I said, you know, if, if if truly, if you think about this, and it's crazy to think about this, but if if 85% of, of our communication is nonverbal, meaning like over four-fifths of everything that I'm communicating to you when I sit across from you, I'm communicating nonverbally. That is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's through our micro-expressions, you know, it's, and you know, that's like the the tell in a poker game, right? Like yeah. we've got t- tells that are going off all the time that are, you know, really flagging what we truly believe, and that 
is way communicating way 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 more than um you know the than the the words that we're speaking because a lot of times we can go and say the words you know and believe something totally totally different yeah. and i think on a subconscious level other people over time are going to go and pick up on that you know and i'm not talking about like the brief interactions you know whatever it's like the white lie that we tell the police officer because we got pulled over, you know, we want to get out of a ticket. I'm talking about like, you know, the repeated interactions that we go and have with our spouses, with our significant others, with our, with our kids, with, you know, um, nieces, nephews, family members, parents, grandparents, all that, like those people, you know, they're going to be able to go and pick up on this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's why it's so important. You know, it's, you got to treat your mind like, like a muscle. And you know what? It's okay that you are where you are right now. You don't have to be perfect with it. I mean, I, for several years, <clears throat> I was a trainer and owner of a CrossFit gym in Georgia. And, you know, I would work with people there. And the biggest lesson I learned in that was the people that would have the mind-blowing, extraordinary results that everybody wants would make the smallest, you know, increments. They would expect the littlest improvements. Mm. And they would just show up day by day. They would just show up. And they would right. continue to go and improve. And I think the people that would fail would have the biggest expectations. They would be the ones, and this is why I'm, I'm absolutely guilty of myself, like 100%, that you know, <laughs> it's going to happen quick whether it's in business, whether it's in life and love or whatever, that like whatever we're going to happen is going to go and happen fast. And that couldn't be further. It's um, one of my coaches has this quote that he says is that the slower you go, the faster you get there. I like that. I know. It's so good. It's so, so good. And it's really true. It is true in so many respects, especially in the area of love, I would say. And one of the other things, too, we talk about a lot of ways that you could kind of like, like having more confidence, better body image, all these things. Like there's so many directions you can go with it, right? It's like the thinking. It's the it's it's like through the physicality. There's, um, you know, the emotional route. There's lots of different ways with it. But if you wanted to go the route of, of body language, um, and I know this sometimes can kind of uh, bleed into the area of NLP, I, I know one of the amazing TED Talks with Amy Cuddy talking about your body language shaping who you are. And she talks about body no, language. It's so good. It's so good. It's it's like some of her own research looking at how there's specific body positions that show that there's confidence, that you have confidence. Um, huh. Where it's like like if you're sitting in a boardroom and you lean back with your arms you know, behind your head, that's showing like that has a, a, a sort of a um, position of power. Or, you know, if you're standing and you are kind of like leaning down on the table where your, you know, your fingers are on the table and you're, you know, like, it's like you're owning a room or something, you know, and, and having like good posture and all of that. I mean, those are just like somebody changes you can do that immediately make you feel more confident just because you're in that position. So you don't have to have the confidence, then have the positioning. It's like you start with that. And then as a result, your, your actual confidence goes up just based on that. So I love the if you actually if you guys all go to YouTube and just type in um, TED Talk body language, you'll find that it's it's called Your Body Language Shapes Who You Are. It's by Amy Cuddy. It's fascinating. It's, it has like 7.5 million views. So obviously a lot of other people liked it too. But um, <laughs> it's really really cool. It can really change the way that you see yourself just based on your own body positioning. And it's huge. I mean, people who are who don't have a lot of confidence oftentimes they slouch a lot, right? They look down. They have this sort of cowering you know, collapsed position. And those who have more confidence, they have their shoulders back, their head is up, they're looking the world in, in its eyes, you know, they're not cowering down and closing up. And it's it's really, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I hope this is like uh, appropriate for your show, but I'll make a quick Austin Powers <laughs> fat bastard reference. <laughs> okay, please do. Where he says, I eat because I'm unhappy and I'm unhappy because I eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god put it in the skin box <laughs> but oh my god that is kind of true though I mean and what you said there 
you know, kind of triggered this in me where it's like, yeah, you know, your, your, your posture is one of many reflections of your internal state, you know, and, mm-hmm. and where you're at. And, you know, it's, I know for the people that are, you know, maybe listening to that, you know, and hearing us talk about this and kind of rolling their eyes, you know, you can really look and see some pretty convincing research that shows, um, uh, you know, shows that this is the case, you know, and this, to give you a, a for instance, it, I actually learned this on a podcast that you text me and, and asked, you know, suggest that I listen to, but um, researchers at Harvard did a study where <clears throat> they studied um, blood sugar and diabetes Mm-hmm. And they put three different groups into a room. All the patients had type two diabetes, and um, you know they knew to, how to manage this by checking their blood sugar and you know yada yada all that. Anyway, they're in this room for, I think it was maybe an eight hour period, and um, in the first room it was just the time it passed normally, um, you know in terms of the clock speed. So the speed of the clock was normal. They went in the room and, you know, sat there for eight hours. In the second room, the clock was sped up 1.5 times, meaning it was 50% faster, right? So they were in the room for six hours or so. I don't remember the exact number, so I might be off on that, but just for instance. And in the third group, they came in and they were in the room for like four hours. The clock was sped up to be twice as fast as normal time, but they had a perception that they were in the room for eight hours. And the mind-blowing thing with this is that blood sugar did not follow time. Blood mm. sugar followed the perception of time. Crazy. So That's if you so can cool. tell me how you can control your autonomic nervous system, you know, and your blood sugar levels, you know, mm. based off of your perceptions, then you're the next billionaire because that's the cure to diabetes right there. Mm. And so that just shows, for one, the power of the mind, right? And the easiest example of that is, you know, somebody that's sitting here listening to this, you know, try and and sit there and, you know, sit forward, slouch your shoulders over, you know, and look down at the ground and see what your internal state does. You know, and then all you do, you know, sit up, broaden your shoulders, take a deep breath, center yourself and, you know, and, and have your eyes looking forward, maybe slightly up and see how different you feel instantly. Mm. Yeah. Hugely different. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I have a, a couple questions from uh, Facebook I want to ask you. So this question is from Sarah, and she wants to know, Kyle, when do you feel the most confident in your body today? And what was the first moment you remember feeling true confidence? So it's a two-parter. Should I repeat it? <laughs> mm, no, I, I got it. Yeah. Cool. That's, um, that's a really good question. I think um, I'd start by saying I can give an example of, um, you know, career confidence. You know, my, my main profession is to give speeches. So I give speeches for companies and schools and um, different organizations and um, for I started doing this when I was 18 years old. I'm 29 now, and so I've been doing it for 11 years. And um, the for seven years, six or seven years, when I first started speaking, I hated it. You know, I'd be scared out of my mind going on stage, and um, you know, I, I I had moments where I loved it. You know, moments of success, but overall, I really didn't enjoy it. And I'd given hundreds of speeches at that point, and I do remember a moment where I felt like I had arrived and had a different level of confidence was when um, it was um, 2010 and a speaking mentor of mine, a gentleman by the name of Randy Gage, gave me the opportunity to give the closing keynote speech for the National Speakers Association. So huge honor. And he knew that I'm competitive and knew that I wanted to go and do really well. I'm speaking to 2,000 other professional speakers in the audience. And so he told me before the speech, he said, you know, Several of the other speakers' bureaus have told me, they said, Cowell would be a great speaker someday, but he's not ready for this. He's not ready for this audience. He's not going to be able to deliver and basically said that, you know, you're going to go and screw this whole thing up by giving him this shot. 
And so he knew that that was kind of my sink or swim moment, you know, how, you know, and, and hope that I would respond accordingly to that. And I did and probably gave what was at the time, what I felt like was the best speech of my life. And I did a seven hour book signing afterwards and met some <laughs> extraordinary people. Um, it was phenomenal. And mm. it was that moment where I'm speaking in front of my peers and I felt like, wow, like I'd finally arrived. But the important takeaway from that though is, you know, there was, like hundreds of speeches before that, that I felt like a failure (laughs) and I had to do it anyway, you know, and that's just kind of part of, part of what it is. I know, you know, if if there's a single mom that's, that's listening to this, that's, you know, working three jobs, trying to buy healthy food for her kids so that they, you know, they can grow healthy brains and go to a good college. You know, I, I get that you're, your struggle in, in, in moments and that not everything is awesome. But at the same time, you know, know that it, like it'll be worth it. And sometimes, you know, not every single day is going to be awesome. But I think that the overall process to get there is it's it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when do you feel most confident in your body now? I think it's when I am, you know, when I know that I'm just, doing the things that I know to do to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, eating right, sleeping right, uh, just spending some time outside, spending time with people. Probably mm. even 10 minutes of meditation maybe been one of the most important things that I've discovered in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, it's just, and it's not about being perfect, but really just knowing that you know, I'm I'm taking care of myself, and that there are moments where that I don't feel that, and that's okay too. But I also give myself a lot of a lot of grace, a lot of room that I didn't give myself before. Mm, I like that. Yeah, and and as you're sharing about that that moment when you had that like like I've arrived kind of you know you're on stage or speaking in front of all your peers, and you felt like that first real moment of real confidence where you didn't feel like a fake and it's not like you arrive and then it's done right it's like it's all a journey and there's times where you're probably not feeling as confident you know from that point forward and there's times you do it's like it's 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 all this kind of dance that we have um with our ego you know with everything that comes up our insecurities past-based conversations all of that so having that um like that permission to go there at times is is I think what the important thing is, is that you're not always going to feel like that, right? I know we're, like, probably running close to time, but I'll tell another quick story about a speech because I think it's relevant. You know, that was five years ago that I gave that speech, and, you know, this year um, <laughs> I, gave a, I gave a speech probably, like, uh, it was in June, actually. And... Um, uh, I gave a speech for about a couple hundred accountants and, um, you know, and I actually, you know, I wanted to do really well. It wasn't like I intended to go and bomb it. And I don't think that I did bomb it, you know, but sometimes it can be a little self-critical. I didn't feel uh, like a it was bit. the best speech ever. <laughs> you know, it was, Even though they're all I, crying, you get a standing ovation, you know, <laughs> yada, yada. <laughs> they're all yeah, swaying and hugging and crying. <laughs> they measure their tears. That's how much I care about performance. <laughs> Yeah, totally. But the um, yeah, so I I felt like that speech kind of sucked, and I was like disappointed in myself, right? Literally later that night, I gave another another talk, and this was you know just uh, an an event that I did because I wanted to and wanted to be a part of it. But there was an event for um for a fallen marine and a foundation called the Travis Manion Foundation, which is an amazing organization that helps veterans. You know in a couple of hours, I was able to go and get out of my funk, and I felt like that was one of the, you know, best experiences, best talks that I gave this year. Mm. And, you know, it, it literally is, it, it's like that. It's its like a minute, you know, I was going to say hour-by-hour hour basis, but it's almost like a minute-by-minute minute thing, right? <clears throat> you know, we're not always going to be, you know, performing at our tip-top peak level, but that's okay. You know, it's just... I think give yourself a little bit of room, take, take a breath, like, 
you know, maybe go through, like I said, with that sort of mantra of, you know, what is it that needs to be heard, held, acknowledged here to really understand what's, you know, what's my brain trying to get across to me. And, you know, and then, then move forward from there. Yeah. Well, we could keep talking all night. Like we've had eight hour conversations before. So, but we'll, we'll not do that on the air for people who want to get to sleep, but um, how can people listening keep up with what you're doing and, and follow you like on the webs and all that good stuff? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> because I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of disenchanted with social media and all that stuff in general right now. So, so just give your um, number then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I would love to, I mean, I, I do, sometimes it takes me a while to get back to my to messages, but I would love to hear from people and people can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. And I've got a website, this is kylemaynard.com, K-Y-L-E-M-A-Y-N-A-R-D.com. That actually, when we get off the phone here, I'm going to spend a couple minutes doing some writing and be extra naughty and stay up past my bedtime to try to finish this to, to get it out on time. Awesome. To get the new site up. <laughs> But Yay. and the reason I think I'd, I'd say I'm, you know, my whole disenchantment with social media, it's, I, I don't know, it just kind of goes with what we're, we've been talking about here. I, I noticed that I, I just prefer in my, you know, at this stage in life to have more meaningful in-person interactions with people, mm-hmm. and in, you know, the less I spend on digital stuff. That, that generally the, the happier and more connected I feel. 100%. Yeah. And that's like such a gift being around you because you are like fully present. You're not looking at your social media stuff. So it's such a huge gift. And I think it's a really good example for all of us, you know, as Hopefully well. Hopefully that doesn't motivate half your subscriber base to just delete their <laughs> podcast account. Right. But. <laughs> yeah, but keep listening to me, you guys. Um, right. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for spending, you know, almost an hour with us and I appreciate you fitting in your schedule and I appreciate you so much and just, you know, I just want to acknowledge everything that you are creating and what you're doing in the world and, you know, you're, you inspire hundreds of thousands of people and, you know, thank you for, for taking what seemed like a disability and turning it into something that has changed many people's lives, you know, and you'll all continue to do that, so... Thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I say that on behalf of people listening. You're such a huge inspiration, and I'm blessed to call you my friend and my ex-boyfriend. Well, you and <laughs> <laughs> care about you a ton, and I, um, you know, I, I really too. I, I think I just want to thank you for that acknowledgement, and also pass that acknowledgement on to your listeners. It really, mm-hmm. I want to surround myself with people who want to be the best version of themselves. And I know the people that have sought you out that are listening to you because I've gotten talked to a lot of them, you know, and several of them on the phones when they go and call Shine Natural Medicine yeah. and I was there. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's you know, it's pretty special. And I, I just love that people are taking this on to to better themselves. And, you know, you know, we live in a world where that's so important. You have to, I, I won't go into it, but I just had a doctor's appointment last, this past week. And, you know, it just like blew my mind how, and I didn't want to go in and argue with my doctor there, but like it blew my mind how little my doctor, you know, then was aware about some of these preventative measures that could be taken. And, yeah. you know, it's, you got to be your own advocate. And I, I really acknowledge and commend everybody that's listened to this for doing that. Mm. Yeah. Good job, you guys. Keep it up. All right. Have a wonderful night. Kyle, and we'll talk really soon. Thanks for joining us, and you're the best. For sure. Good night. <laughs> Good night. All right, you guys, that is our show. Thank you so much for sticking with us for a little bit of a longer episode, but I think it was it was really good, you know, some late-night sessions, and um, hopefully you guys got some good nuggets out of that. You can always follow me over at shinenaturalmedicine.com and please subscribe to the radio show and I'll check you guys next week. Have a great rest of your week. I love you all. Bye.
North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.